You're listening to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, the meta, and the community of the Legends of Runeterra. This episode is brought to you by listeners like you. To become a supporter of the show, visit patreon.com slash legendscast. Let's do this. Hello and welcome to Legends Cast, a podcast about the legends of Runeterra. My name is Mark or the Lip from outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and with me tonight is my legendary and ever faithful co-host, a dead broke nerd. Dead broke nerd, how you doing tonight, man? Doing pretty good. Uh, I will rehash this for you, but for our listeners, um, they're hearing it for the first uh, time. They're hearing it for the first. To time. be fair, we did guys, get about thirty seconds in. Yes, before I realized I had not pushed record yet, so it's not like we recorded the whole thing. <laughs> DBN just gets to go over his like weekend two times, okay? And he loves talking about That's it, right. so it's perfect, really. I do. It was really fun. I went down to Charlotte, North Carolina for like a mini vacation with my girlfriend. And we just had a super, super awesome time just seeing the city. It's way bigger than I even knew. Um, and, uh, you know, we got to go and, and do some rock climbing down there and like this other gym. And it was just a, it was just a great time. Uh, but I was, I was telling Mark initially about the Charlotte Whitewater Rafting Center. We just went over there and like walked around like we didn't really even do anything. Um, but I guess because a lot of it, I guess, is closed down <clears throat> for the uh, for the winter. But it is the coolest, coolest place. It's like an adventure park where they have like ropes courses and these man-made like courses for whitewater rafting and stuff like that. Uh, and, and you can like there's all these bridges that will either go over them or like these pagodas where you can watch people go. As, you know, if they were going in, in this case they weren't but you know uh and zip lines that go over the water and ropes courses that go next to it they've got this, this entire rock climbing section they've got hiking trails biking trails it is the coolest freaking place so uh i'm definitely planning to, to go back sometime in the summer and yeah just, check just it all out day out there it's like a theme park of nature related stuff nice well by the time yeah. that this episode goes live uh actually no this episode will go live and then like i don't know like within a handful of hours we leave for uh vacation ourselves so every year my folks uh rent a big cabin that has like a ping pong table and a fireplace and you know you name it a whole bunch of stuff and and uh and so we go away there and it's really like we just hole up inside of a cabin and we make great giant meals and the kids play and uh and then we play board games and hang out together and i'm taking my vr uh headset with me this year in hoping that when i put it on my mother um she falls on the ground real hard that's really my goal my one goal <laughs> is that my mother gets so into vr that she hits the ground pretty hard i know that sounds horrible but you don't under like <laughs> well it does sound terrible but my my relationship with my mother is such that like we are very, very close. My mom and I have always been very close. Um, and, but we also sort of like torture one another. It's kind of like, it's not really like a pranking thing back and forth, but like she messes with me 
and then I get even. Um, and it, 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 we, we have a tremendous amount of fun. So really excited. And actually, she's really excited to try uh, the plank experience and uh, some of the uh, beat saber. And my mother's like a horrifically uncoordinated person, like just like one of the oh least coordinated people you ever meet. And so it's going to be really fun to watch her try and play beat saber. And uh, so going to go up, hang out with my nieces uh, and my nephew. My brother just had a new baby. And so there's a, an infant going with us. So previous years it's a lot of board games like me and my brother would set up zombicide and play like six sessions of zombicide over the course of like three or four days this year maybe not so much just because of he has a newborn so we're taking some smaller games with us and like i just need to decompress the season of life has been insane it's been really full i worked from like seven in the morning today until like nine o'clock at night um and that's just kind of becoming commonplace for my first three days of the week and then of course podcasting this evening so it's going to be good uh, the, my wife asked me today what are you most looking forward to and i just said shutting my phone off um because it's a dead zone there's no cell phone reception there i think there's wi-fi i usually walk in i take uh what well, you know we depend uh, i don't you know whoever listens to the show whether you like this or not but i, I like i have a, a permit to carry so i take i take my nine millimeter i take my phone i take all of the stuff my wallet out of my pockets i put it in a bowl up above like the fridge and then I don't touch it for four days. And it's amazing. Like, I don't leave. I don't drive. I don't answer my phone. I don't look at email. I won't be looking at Discord for four days. I, like, I read in the mornings. I drink coffee on the porch. I hang out with my family. I play board games. It's an amazing couple of days. So I'm really looking forward to it. Fingers crossed that my children sleep. Because if they don't, it will actually oh, be a miserable four days. But, you know, that's how it goes. Oh, boy. Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> but that, Hopefully, right? <laughs> yeah, that's just kind of that's kind of how it goes. But I've been playing a lot of, of LOR. And actually, so we're going to be talking about a lot of cards tonight, of course. Because the last time we recorded was just a day before they started releasing stuff. And they've released, what, uh, five champions and tons of cards, of which we're going to get into some of them tonight. Um, but I've been talking about them on stream and uh, have had some really great and interesting conversations. I've had a couple of really bad expeditions on stream, but uh, these cards are going to break me out of expedition that's something I'm really excited about. Uh, how about you, DBN? If you had any opportunity to play uh, LOR the last couple of days, or you just kind of in the Sharima waiting room, uh, which I think a lot of us kind of are. Yeah, that's definitely been it, especially with with traveling and and just keeping my schedule full of activities. Um, yeah, you know, on my on my vacation, it was yeah, just really didn't play much. But I mean, I I'd be lying if I said I haven't been like like very very hyped and looking forward to it and thinking about it a lot like i it's taken up a lot of brain power <clears throat> even if it hasn't taken up uh me you know time of me actually you know playing games um you know I, i'm definitely somebody who just loves reveal season because i love looking at the cards and and looking over them and and trying to figure out what i want to do with them what's good what's not good what's interesting and and then of course just talking about that with people is just one of my favorite things i mean i I almost want to say I enjoy the build up to the release more than release day sometimes, you know. And these um, have given us a lot of things to think about with like 
there's just like a I feel like there's a lot of things to think about with with these cards of like potential builds yeah. and and stuff. More I I think more than maybe maybe similar to Bilgewater, but definitely more than the whole target release season. Like I just feel like there's so many things that I'm excited to check out in this particular set. Yeah, it there's there's um you are right because more than I think Targon there's I don't even want to say like a diversity of styles but I feel like there is a diversity of aesthetic and theme if that makes sense like the like the difference between the two yeah like there's there's like mechanical differences which I felt like Targon was perfectly fine about but all, I don't know all the Targon stuff felt like thematically samey a little bland yeah thematically I, I don't know maybe it's like the egyptian gods theme that is really well, it, exciting right it, it is and it, you know it's a little more rooted in like cult like um, like you know actual history and culture uh-huh. which is fun but i i've so far with all of these different champions and part of it being because we've seen it's we haven't just seen this this shareem and champions we've also seen some of the champions from other factions but each of them has felt very um, flavorfully different and uniquely themed and in both yes. the card design yes. and in the visuals and in all just the visuals. The, yes. Um, and so, so despite it all, you know, especially even with the Shereeman stuff, despite the, the, the three Shereeman things being um, all kind of loosely Egyptian slash Middle Eastern vibes. Um they have all felt like distinctly unique. Whereas sometimes I felt like Diana, Leona, uh, Tarek, like they all felt like they hung out together. Yeah. You know, like they'd go to a bar and you'd see like, Oh, Hey Tarek, what's up? Okay. Hey Diana, how you doing? You know, um, because they felt like they all belonged. They, they, I mean, I guess they all do belong to the same place, but they all felt like, they all kind of would sit in a room together, like it, it, it blended. You know what it felt like? You know what it felt like? Targon felt like it blended, and and like it wasn't as diverse of a region, um, culturally is what it felt like. Now I have no clue if that's actually the case, but the bottom line is, I am looking at these Shereem cards, and I'm like, oh, here's one angle of it. Oh, here's another angle of it, because as we all know, there's no region in the world that is that is samey you know you've got all sure. sorts of cultures and peoples and influences from that have especially you know in today's era that have just kind of come in and and mixed together and uh and of course you know you you, you go to any like big american city and you've got districts like chinatown you know or or whatever and they kind of pull in from different things and it's all still an american city but it's it's got its different vibes you know you, you know even a smaller city will have you know this one area which has this vibe the other area which is like an old colonial aesthetic and another area which is you know so um that's what i'm getting a little bit more from the theme of sharima it just feels like the theme is translating better for me and and for me you know so i I don't know some people might have yeah, and I think I understand what the theme is, right? With Targon, it was like, what is Targon? Um, it's it's yeah. crystals, <laughs> it's crystals, it's it's mountains, but Freljord is really mountains, so it's it's not really mountains, it's celestials. 
um, and why is it Celestials, and what is this Cosmic Dragon doing, and I didn't know <laughs> a lot of the lore behind Targon, and even now that I've, yeah. I've learned a little bit of the lore, because I am the lead Dungeon Master for the Targon region in uh, in our Legends of Runeterra D&D game in the Discord, um, I still am a little unsure outside of the Lunari sort of Solari back and forth. And even that isn't rooted in anything enough for me to be like glued to it. Right. But a lot of the stuff from Charima, like the theme, and I'm not even like a big, my wife is like, my wife's really big on like Egyptian mythology and Egyptian history. Mm -hmm. Like she loves sort of like feudal Japanese history in ancient Egyptian history. So like she would, like she would get excited about some, well, she would never get excited about this because she's not a gamer, but she, you know, you understand what I'm saying. I do. I don't really know anything about Egyptian history, but I love the art direction um, for a lot of this. I love sort of like the feud between a couple of the different champions that we're seeing. Uh, the thematic trailer that they put out for the region uh, before they started releasing stuff was incredible. I mean, it was really, 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 really good. I mean, and it, it sort of it sort of channeled that sort of like. Um, uh, Prince of Persia vibe and and I didn't even think about that angle but like but I loved Prince of Persia and so like not the movie the game but like uh, like the Prince of Persia vibe that comes in with it is really unique and fun but there there was something that we wanted to discuss even if it's only briefly because there was kind of like a, a little bit of a hubbub at the beginning of the release here over some art direction and voiceover direction for one of the champions um so talia is a champion which we'll talk about tonight in in our main segment um but she got a, we got a little bit of feedback from the community because talia in league is uh really sort of like an authentically sort of i think like egyptian syrian type of region type of character right um, really thick eyebrows, darkly like a dark tan complexion, um, and they released her with a new voice artist that is. Um, I saw somebody call her Luxified, um, very Luxified, right? Um, and she's very clearly uh, like a very uh, more Caucasian uh, like sort of depiction of her um, in all of her features, right? She's a lot more sort of like Western European in all of her features, um, including kind of like her, they claim her bone structure. I would argue against that, but like definitely eyebrows, skin tone, things like that. And people were really mad about this. Uh, and I'm kind of curious, DBN, we texted a little bit about it. I'm kind of curious what you think about it though. Well, um, so I, I, uh, I pulled up, I had a hard time finding like voiceover, like, com like direct comparison. So I just kind of tried to find, um, actual, actual stuff, um, mm -hmm. like clips and stuff. And so I don't have a, I don't feel like I have a perfect understanding of it. Uh, you know, as much as I would love to someone to have put a side by side, maybe somebody did, um, of like voice lines or whatever, but, uh, from what I understand, there is, and I'm actually pulling up the the tweets actually right now. Uh, but from what I understand, uh, there was a change in the voice uh, actress uh, to better reflect the character's, um, well, I guess heritage, ethnic yeah. heritage, yeah. if you can call it that in a fantasy world. But you know what it is, the visual reference, right? Mm -hmm. So obviously this is heavily Egyptian 
you know, inspired. And so um, they moved away from a white actress who does the voices, I believe, of Zoe and one or two other people as well um, and hired a different actress to do it, which, of course, I don't really care. Um, for me, I it doesn't really matter uh you know if, if a company wants to you know recast someone it's their their whole idea that doesn't bother me in the least um but what the controversy is or part of the controversy was is that they felt that the depiction while perhaps um the actress who is doing it who i'm desperately trying to find the uh um the actual <laughs> name of the actress of people because yeah. i don't want to i yeah i don't want to you know no, please don't be mad at us if we mess them up okay guys yeah we, uh, we might mess yeah, them so up so it's um yeah so erica lindbeck uh was uh the former with the voice actress who did the league of legends uh one yeah, and true. she does numerous other characters uh and then um they recast uh her for this um version uh for lor to zara fazal um who is another voice actress um but who is of i mean some middle eastern descent i don't want to uh or ethnic yeah well, uh, yeah we're, we're not gonna um, predict we're not gonna bottom guess. line is <laughs> yeah i i haven't i haven't you know done the research too heavily but the bottom line is so to better reflect and, and you know to better reflect that uh, heritage so um but from what i understand the controversy is and actually the interpretation by the actress was a little bit more effeminate um mm. and uh less kind of tough and aggressive which for basically an earthbender uh when you yes. get right down to it yeah, it's an uh, was right. maybe not quite as desired you know i think obviously we all love a uh you know, a tough female character. And I think that people have been of the opinion that the current reading of the, her lines in LOR maybe doesn't depict that quite as much as the LOL depiction did. But then you have the visual side of things. And this was pretty clear to me. Yeah. Uh, you could just pull up the version and uh, the initial art, she just looks straight up white. I mean... Yes. Yes. And it's pretty it's a striking difference uh for lol versus um you know lor because in lol you can definitely tell that she has you know uh you know lighter tone but definitely brown skin it's pretty clear um and i think that uh there's two components to this one obviously they work with numerous artists I don't really know, and I don't even really want to criticize that this, you know, happened because I think that their response was was very well handled. Um, but um, it's not it's not correct to the source material. Yeah, and that's just that's just. I mean, they they have this depiction, and you have fans of the character uh, from League of Legends, where she has a you know certain popularity among certain types of players the people that buy her skins and main her in the game um and so you now uh have her depiction in lor and it's not not matching it's not right um and obviously we all know about various controversies when it comes to 
you know, the idea of whitewashing stuff. And I, I'm fairly certain that this that's not what happened here, but it was yeah. definitely a a misstep, a misfire. And if anything, at 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 worst, uh just a I suspect an oversight or just a lack of, you know, um noticing, right? Um yeah, because they came through and, and and you saw the the tweet. I sent you the tweet. They responded really quickly and I think very, very professionally. Yeah, I agree. And they basically came through right away and said, like, hey, we recognize that this, you know, making people unhappy. We appreciate the community feedback. Um, we are going to be doing like new artwork. Um, and I don't know if they said that the voice lines would be different or not, but they're going to be they're going to be reworking her card. Um, and but that wouldn't be coming out with the March 3rd release. It's going to have to come later. So in, in something in the future, we are going to get a new depiction, which to me, honestly, like there's a part of me that I, like I get that part of me is a little bit sad because I don't dislike like the I, I understand that she's not the correct depiction of the character from LOL. I understand why people are a little riled up about it. However, I think the artwork that is for this card is beautiful, right? If you take oh, the LOL good. character out of it, the artwork is beautiful. I think they did a whoever the artist is did such a cool job with her. Um, and really enjoy the artwork of the card. So I, it's like almost like, well, I kind of want to keep this because I, I like the, you know, but I understand as well why they want a, a darker complected. Um, you know, the two things that I saw when I looked at it was like, okay, her complexion is clearly lighter, right? Like, there's really no way around that. Like, the original artwork for her in League of Legends, th there's some truth in the fact that the, 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 it's like it, the sun is setting very clearly in that imagery. But if you look at her alternate skins, that's not the case in her alternate skins, and her skin is much darker in her alternate skins in League of Legends. So it's clear yeah. that they carried that theme throughout, and they didn't carry that theme into this artwork. Why they did or didn't, I don't really know. Um, also, it's very clear, like she has very thick, dominant eyebrows and a very dominant brow line in League of Legends, which she doesn't have here. Once again, I think it is getting a wee bit nitpicky, um, but I am also for a little bit of diversity. I mean, I've always said that I don't love the way that League of Legends and Riot depict women in general, um, at least not sort of their first batch of women, the way they depict Ari, the way that they depict Lux is okay, um, a Misfortune, um, and a handful of others. They've done the depictions of female characters very, very tastefully and very, very well in this game. I've really appreciated the way they've gone about it in Legends of Runeterra, but League of Legends has not always had that reputation, and I understand that this is sort of going back towards that a little bit. I don't know if it's like making Talia a little bit sexier, but I, I don't like I don't get that image from this as well, right? Like they, it, it's pretty clear in this artwork that that was like there wasn't a, you know, like the sex appeal. They weren't trying to up that with this character. Um, I don't know if they were trying to make her more palatable to a larger audience and therefore making her like whiter and more European, but it, it, I wouldn't have even known it because I didn't play League of Legends when Talia was out. So I had no idea. Like I had no idea. I do appreciate their prompt response though. And I think it's great that Riot has proven once again, as a team that they're willing to communicate. And I think that that in the end of the day is a really good thing. And I appreciate that. Right. And, and, you know, they're ma they said they're making revisions. It won't be in on the release of the expansion yep. on the third. 
Um, but um, I mean, good. You know, I don't know why that happened. And I'd like to think that it's not an intentional, you know, whitewashing thing. I suspect it's just that they looked at the artwork. The artwork looks great. And guess what? Not everybody, I, I guarantee not everybody who works on the LOR team is a league player, much less mm -hmm. is extremely familiar with the details of literally every, uh, you know, of hundreds of league characters. characters. Yeah, exactly. So I don't, I don't know how it slipped through. Is it an oversight? Yes. Uh, do I suspect it had any sort of, you know, malicious underpinnings? No. Um, and part of that is due to the very quick and, you know, it wasn't, it's not even like it was apologetic. It was like, we totally agree. We're on it. Yeah. Like it, it wasn't even like, Ooh, we're sorry. We did. It was, we hear you. We agree. We're fixing it. Well, like if you, if you even look at some of the female characters they released on card work with Talia, like, um, they're dark. They have darker complexions as well. It's, it's not like they were straying away yeah. from that as a region right um and yeah. so i don't know it may have just been this particular artist's interpretation of the character um and uh you know here's the thing i understand why people are upset but if this is the biggest thing that we have to complain about with this set of cards i'm i'm fine with that as That'd well be good, yeah, yeah that would be great if the biggest thing is the <laughs> skin tone and eyebrow height of a is one of a piece of artwork um by all means that can be fine because there's some great cards and, and we're going to start talking about them here soon but first uh dbn do you want to tell us real quick because the season three of the league is starting up like soon like really soon yeah like an actual uh week from now yeah like one um, week so, from now so this is going to release on the 26th guys so you're going to have one two three four more days to get signed up for the league uh we already have well over 30 players signed up uh with several more i know who haven't signed up yet but are planning to um so definitely get in there you can find it in our discord the way that the league works for a reminder for those of you who are new you'll have to join our discord which you can find links to in the show description uh, and then you'll go to the reaction roles when you first jump in. I highly recommend you guys do that anyways. Um, so you can pick what announcements and what, you know, subdivisions of the, uh, of the discord you'll get alerts and stuff for, um, and then you'll pop down in there and you will sign up in the, uh, channel league signups. Um, yep. so everything that you need is pinned between that and league general, the rules and whatnot. I've gone over them in the last couple of episodes. I'm not going to waste your time here. Um, the winner will get $75. Uh, they will get their choice of either a Legends Cast Discord League exclusive hat or pint glass. And then they will also get invited to join us on the show uh, for an interview. So lots of fun stuff you'll play over the course of uh, Swiss uh, rounds for five or six weeks, depending on how many people total. Uh, where you'll play one player a week, and then uh, they will cut to a top eight single elimination bracket. Pretty fun. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm hoping that uh, that we'll get just as much awesome competition and uh, community camaraderie building uh, as we did the last season. And uh, Mark's going to be playing in it, and the uh, there's no limitations on him. So no we'll limitations. See if he can bounce back and uh, 
make it to the bracket like he did in the first season. Absolutely, I will. Um, we have one other announcement, and that is if you are a patron over at patreon.com slash legendscast, we want to give you a thank you. This week's thank you is going to go out um, to Gibbles and Bits, who upped his uh, pledge to $25 a month. He has now um, beaten our two highest previous monthly supporters, uh, which was a Templar um, in Matthew Z, uh, which uh, which is Royal Shine. So Royal Shine mm-hmm. and Templar are each. They were tied at twenty each, uh, and now and now they're beaten out by uh, by Gibbles and Bits. So Gibbles and Bits are great at supporter. Thank you so much, guys. Every one of our supporters, you guys are all awesome. We appreciate every single one of you. Um, if you want to become a supporter of the show, go over to Legendscast. Or I'm sorry, Patreon.com/slash/Legendscast. There's also a link for it in the description of the show you can support us over there you give us a dollar a month that's a quarter an episode put you in the drawing every month at the end of the month to win a legends cast pint glass and this month's winner of the legends cast pint glass is a newer subscriber that's christopher e christopher e congratulations you are the winner of this month's legends cast pint glass so my friend uh if you will shoot me a message on discord once you hear this and we will get it in the mail to you and i also want to personally apologize to hopsolite who won last month um but lives on the other side of the globe and i have yet to figure out how to get the uh the pint glass to him and so i'm still working on that and by working on it i mean i forgot about it until i knew that we had to announce this one so i'm sorry um but thank you thank you thank you for all of you for the support hopsolite i'm gonna get out some information to about how to get that to you christopher e um i happen to know that you're not so far from me so if you shoot me a message on discord we will get that pint glass out to you right away um congratulations christopher and thank you to all of our patrons once again over at patreon.com slash legends cast um dbm what do you say we get into talking about some of these cards let's do it what the is that Okay, guys, our main segment for today is, of course, car talk, because holy cow, last week we said we were in the waiting room. There was no information. I was worried it was going to get delayed. Is the set ever going to come out? I was hem hawing. I was, uh, you know, I was just, I, I was just uh, upset, and uh, and I had no reason to be because we have so many cards, so many cards have come out uh just a crazy amount so many that there's almost no way we get to get to talk about all of them um and so if you want to know every card that's been previewed already go to mobilytics or stop by our discord and look in the patch notes section uh, and uh and you can look there and, and see all the cards that came out dbn i thought it might be smart to talk about buried sun disc to start off with which was one of the first cards that we had revealed do you think it's smart to discuss buried sun disc at least a little bit oh i i definitely think so if anything you know because it is probably like the quintessential lore based thing for sharima from what i understand yeah, it seems uh, like it produces like water in some capacity. It's like a, I don't know. That that's what oh, I saw. Uh, I don't know about that. I all I know is that that is what basically allows. It's kind of like the celestial mount, you know, in Targon. Mount okay. Targon. Okay. It's like a center it, of it, power. Right, and it allows them to get super powerful, like ascended warriors and stuff. That I, if I'm remembering correctly from looking it up for a D and D game, uh, it would basically it allowed 
the emperor to you know have his like appointed you know super warriors get get you know yoked out through magical sun power mm, magical and sun he basically kind of like you know walking god warriors or whatever yes magical sun um, power right magical sun power um and so i think that that's kind of what what the uh what the lore is all based around um and what we will actually see with these ascendants yes um so yeah let's start with it so buried sun disc it is a landmark that that tracks uh it's one yep. mana but it is doing something that i was so excited about uh it said and i've been waiting for them to do this i actually had encouraged them to do a card like this uh in frail york but um mm-hmm. it says start of game draw one of me if all of your cards are shuriman so it's kind of like an allegiance thing um they probably could have just said that but um i guess allegiance is you know technically speaking the top card of your deck so this really forces you to run all 40 cards uh of, of shuriman but if you do you get to start with one of them in your hand yes uh and and it, it doesn't take away the other cards in your hand if i if i'm reading this correctly you just you just get start with an extra, extra card, card yeah that is the buried sun disc which is really cool because they used to do this for quests and hearthstone because you get to start with it in mm-hmm. your hand um so i i love this just off right off the bat um the way it works is it's using one of the newer kind of mechanics called countdown um and it is countdown 25 now correct me if i'm wrong but countdown triggers at the beginning of every round Every single, yeah, I mean, every, not not every time you pass to your opponent, but every time the round ends and, you know, the attack action swaps, it will count down one, count down one, count right. down one, yeah. Um, and so it's got the countdown of 25, which, yes, you're reading that, it would be 25 turns for it to uh, achieve its objective. But when you do, you get to restore the sun disk, which will flip it into a different uh, landmark uh, effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, and kind of like a champion leveling up. Um, and before I read the restored sun disc, um, the last little bit of text on buried sun disc is when an ascended ally levels up, you get to advance it ten rounds. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So you can um, you. In other words, it's ne- it should never take you twenty five rounds. Like right, you're going to be playing ideally <laughs> ascended champions in order to you know make this thing take you five rounds yeah. or uh, you know. 12 or maybe eight rounds or 10 rounds you know instead of 25 exactly exactly but when you do restored sun disc when it flips you immediately draw one of all of your ascendants mm-hmm. and then for the rest of the game your level two ascendants are a as of yet previously unknown in uh legends of Terra. they are level three level champions. three champs now yes yeah. And they're bonkers. Oh, freaking crazy. Very so crazy. strong. Very strong. I mean, it's important to note there's a couple of other cards that came out with Sundisk that uh, there's like, uh, there's one that, you know, decreases its rounds. You know, it, it works on the ticker. Uh, uh, Ascendance Rise is a, a, a seven mana slow spell that levels up two of your level one Ascended Champions. So if you play this for seven with two different Ascended Champions on board, you could, for all intents and purposes, level them both up and flip your sun disc in one round and make both of your ascended champions on board level three all at the same time which is pretty powerful correct me if i'm wrong uh but the way i'm reading ascended's rise while we're at it 
uh, it says level up all level one ascended allies. So theoretically, if you had three ascended allies, you can run two copies of each. Yes. Right. Now, it doesn't say. It, so it says level uh, all uh, level one ascended allies. Does allies mean they have to be on the board, or would you level them up in your deck or hand too? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I don't know, but I because would. Because I think if you had to have it on the board, this card's pretty pretty unusable. It's already pretty pricey, but if it would level up the champs in your deck, I doubt assuming that. they're ascended, that would be worth seven mana. I think what it's going to do is it's not going to do that. I think it's only going to ascend. It's only going to level up the level one champions that you have on the board. But I I could be wrong about that. Um, you know, buried sun disc, buried sun disc likely ticks down ten rounds, even whenever you level up an ascended champion that's sitting in your deck waiting to be played. But they don't technically level up until you play them. You know, like you right. don't get the animation until you play them. So I, I would tend to think that the buried sun disc does not actually tick ten rounds until you actually played. That let's just say, for example, Victor was ascended, oh, no, no, right? For yeah. sure, I, th that definitely tracks. So, so I don't I'm think this. If... I don't think this levels anything up that's in your deck. It's going to have to be on the board, which mm -hmm. makes ascended's gotcha. rise probably not good but it's fun it's an interesting thing that certainly people will try to pull off to you know get that one turn win by playing this seven mana slow spell which we know is pretty likely pretty unplayable um but to to get two or three champions to level three all in the same turn which you could do yeah no you could you yeah. know if you have three level one champions ascended champions on the board you could drop your buried sun disc on turn eight and then play this and immediately level them all to two and then flip buried sun disc and then immediately level them up to three which to be fair guys uh, when we say flip just to be very clear the the thing that has countdown is destroyed when its countdown gets to zero it is destroyed and then a new thing is summoned. So it isn't just flipping over. It's something's being destroyed and something is being summoned. Don't know if that will come into play, but it is worth mentioning um, that the wording on countdown is specifically that at zero, the thing is destroyed and then whatever it does at destruction happens. Um, so kind of like a death rattle effect almost at the end or a last breath uh, effect at the end there. Um, let's talk about our first Ascended Champion because uh, Ascended is a new keyword because originally we saw this, nobody knew what Ascended was. But Ascended is a new keyword and our first Ascended Champion that we saw is uh, Renekton. And I don't know if that's how everyone pronounces his name, but it's how I do. Renekton is a four mana, four, four with Overwhelm. Okay, when I challenge an enemy, give me plus two, plus one this round. So you definitely want to be able to give Renekton Challenger because otherwise he's never gonna get that plus two, plus one. If you've dealt 12 plus damage, you get to level him up. So once he's dealt 12 plus damage, you level him up, which is probably not super easy to do. We've seen that it's not as easy to do with Shavana, and Shavana doesn't even have to be the one who deals the damage, just have to be dragons. But if you level him up, he becomes a four mana five five, so the typical plus one plus one stats that is give me plus three plus three when he attacks. He comes and when he attacks, he's he's a four mana eight eight with overwhelm. So pretty beefy, right? Pretty beefy. Still, in my opinion, a little bland. Finally, if you restore the Sun Disk, he becomes level three ascended, which he immediately becomes a four mana 10-10 with Overwhelm, with also, when I block or attack, deal two damage to enemies 
and the enemy nexus, which is just absolutely nutty. It's called Dominus Destruction is the skill that comes off of him. Um, absolutely kind of nutty if you are ever able to get him. Like, imagine dropping the four-mana tent and overwhelm that dies to vengeance. Um, but still kind of nutty uh, i'm kind of curious because i was like i love the art of renekton i love the theme i love this sort of like raging crazy brutish alligator man with a giant blade and i love all of that like i love him but i have not been super inspired by him dbn were you inspired by him or were you kind of like uh it's interesting it's a little vanilla no i actually uh i actually really like him um and part of it is uh, I really like the thought of blending Renekton with a lot of interesting striking stuff for this mid-range beatdown style. Um, you know, keep in mind uh, his baseline effect when I challenge an enemy, give me plus two, plus one this round. Um, that counts even if you are vulnerabling things. Yeah, that's very important. It's, right, so you can give something vulnerable and then pull them and then he'll get the plus two plus one. Um, but I really love the, you know, him having overwhelm here uh, is really fascinating because I really want to pair him with Noxus and do some fun, you know, uh, beat down striking related stuff uh, and pushing heavy amounts of damage with good overwhelm units. So my, my current like thing I'm excited to do uh, is to have Renekton, um, you know, challenge somebody, get up to six, five, and then whirling death the guy that I just challenged. So I'll deal six oh, damage to them. Level him up right the, away. Level him up right away. So you deal six damage off the strike, then he'll do six damage to the face because he's overwhelmed, and he'll level up. That's interesting because I don't know, like when I looked at him, he's ascended, right? Of course, this format of 10 is nuts. But in the deck that he's being run in, he doesn't, I don't know that you run Sun Disc from what I've seen so far, right? I, it, it's almost like yeah. you're okay with him being a four mana five, five with overwhelm that gets plus three, plus three when he attacks. And that's just fine, right? Yeah, I don't think he's intended to, in the deck I'm envisioning him, he's basically just a two level champion, but he's a beatdown guy. That you know you can really stack a lot of damage to close out the game, especially if you can get him to level two. But even if you don't, four mana four four overwhelm with a slight upside if you are challenging things, it's not bad. Um, yeah, especially when you're looking at something like comparing to like Darius, which comes down two turns later, and um, is a six you know, four six five yeah is six five. Um, you get this uh, four mana four four overwhelm. That's not bad. I'd rather play Armored Tusk Rider in this imaginary deck that i'm talking about <laughs> um but what i really also like is that i can see it um and we can we can actually talk about this when this other i can see it with a couple other champions that we've seen so far um mm -hmm. and i can also really appreciate some of these other cards that came with him in the package that are going to really help him out the biggest one that i really like is this one exhaust yeah this card's crazy uh, and i think that i think that's worth talking about too because it, it has another a new spell speed which introducing. is the one that we have seen on gems and on a couple of other cards that is uh, it's burst, but you cannot play it in response to an opponent's spell and you can't play it during an attack. And they're now calling it focus. Yeah. Which, which I think is I a great think name. It's going to clean the card up. Yeah. It's kind of like you're, you're channeling your key before uh, an attack. You know, it's, it's Goku charging up, you know, mm -hmm. you're playing all your stuff and then you, 
you know, it's it's all it's nothing's hidden there, nothing surprising your opponent, but it is going to stack the deck in your favor. So focus, I think, is a nice little play to name for. Plus, it's really just going to save you a lot of card space. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I like that. Yeah. So this one in particular was really cool, and I'm going to be playing a lot of it. I think it's one mana focus. Give an enemy minus two attack and vulnerable this round. Really crazy. And vulnerable. This is El Nutso. And I think it's really going to help Renekton out um, and, and some of these other cards. Renekton came with the, a package of cards that are all about giving enemies minus attack, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Um, there are some really good ones and some lesser good ones. I think Quicksand is playable, um, but you know, I there's there's this idea here where you're kind of looking at this and you're like these things where you're giving them minus attack, they need to do something extra because they're competing with Frostbite, right? Yes. Um, Exhaust does that because it gives vulnerable. Quicksand does it because it negates keywords, which I, I, really you strong. Know, it disables actually keywords. It doesn't like silence them, but it disables them uh, for the round. So, uh, you know, you can disable barrier. You can disable challenger. You can disable quick attack. Um, quick attack. Oh, gosh, that's huge, right? Minus four, minus zero, and you don't have quick attack for three mana? Yeah, Yeah, that's pretty strong. (laughs) It's very, very flexible and just really cool. Um, They have uh, Ruthless Predator, um, which is a neat one, uh, which is this is the one that's going to be Renekton's uh, copy card, Mm -hmm. which is great. It's a two-mana burst, give an ally plus two, and give uh, give an enemy vulnerable. Uh, Simple. It's not like we don't have other things that get vulnerable, but you know, there's a lot of it coming out here. Uh, but what I love because- about this, because I, I hear what you're saying, but what I love mm-hmm. about this is that you do not, you're not automatically forced to pair Sharima with Bilgewater in order to get the vulnerable, right? Exactly. It comes they're, they're with a built-in. And now there are other decks that want to get access to vulnerable, like uh, like say the the deck that runs uh, the guy that keeps coming back over and over again that you like. Um uh with plus one plus one every time he dies i can never the undying right oh, the undying the undying yeah. the, the undying now has the option of saying maybe i could pair sharima instead of having to pair with bilgewater because it has the ruthless predator exhaust and a lot of cards would go really well with it yeah no there's there's some good stuff here the one that i really am impressed with is the bakai sand spinner yes the four oh, mana five three permanent minus one yeah. attack and permanent vulnerable for a four with on the body of a four mana on five play. three on play. on play and i love this because it is perfect for my you know theoretical noxus situation uh you it's a five man it's a five uh, attack guy so you could run the trifarian assessor draw cards off it plus one of the things that's really good about uh overwhelm decks or one of the things that i guess is would be good about overwhelm decks is beating up on their little guys that they throw out you know mm-hmm. you get your big seven attack overwhelm guy well if they block with their five defense tough you know radiant guardian you don't really get much out of that well now you can go and okay a lot of decks play kind of chumps that do stuff okay one two three mana guys that do something beneficial for the deck but aren't necessarily gonna ever go to combat willingly um, and also are never going to block your big beefy overwhelm guys because obviously they'll take tons of damage and not get the trade. Well, Bakai's Sandspinner is a, uh, a you know an attack statted unit that comes down with a instant effect and 
helps you do exactly what I'm talking about, which is, you know, allow your overwhelm guys to, you know, choose who they go up against so you can push all that damage through to the face. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. I love it. Uh, but Kai Sandsman are super cool. I think the seven mana guy, Raz Bloodmain's cool too. Um, he is really cool. Yeah. Well, here's the, the thing about <laughs> Raz is I'm not so I like where Raz is. I'm actually more excited about Rite of Dominance because Rite of Dominance is a four mana fast that gives all of your enemies minus two attack for the round. And the reason that I'm excited about that is because it is the potential to splash Shadow Isles with Sharima and use this as a finisher card for your fearsome units that says I'm going to give all of your creatures minus two attack and prevent all of them from blocking my fearsome units in order to yeah. get my push push my damage through. So uh, what I love to look at is sort of like, okay, what exists already that we've seen that uh, was with a traditional pairing, and now some of these new cards could open up new opportunities with a new region, you're not forced to pair it with what you were pairing it with before. And I think that Sharima with some of these cards that lower attack could potentially be... Um, like makes sense paired with some shadow isles fearsome strategy um and i think that's exciting to me when i look at this uh, i do think the renekton's super cool i just wasn't like overly overly jazzed about him uh yeah there's just some and i think and again it kind of plays towards the things that i like to mess with so that's that's part of my bias but the i think that the package that it, he came with was really exciting yeah, I agree. I agree. You want to take us to Demacia, or should I take us to Demacia? You take us to Demacia, because I'll never oh. willingly go there. <laughs> okay, guys, let's take a trip over to Demacia for one of my all-time favorite LOL champs, which is Jarvan the Fourth, King Jarvan. The, well, I guess he's a prince. He is a six mana five three with barrier, and when you attack, you may pay my cost to summon me, challenging the strongest enemy so in other words he's kind of a burst speed champion so if you attack and you have six mana in you know ready to go and you have a jarvan in your hand he will come out of your hand attacking um with barrier attacking challenging the strongest enemy and then he levels up once you've seen allies survive four plus enemy blockers strikes from enemy blockers so that the enemy needs to be blocking and then if you have four things that survive so think of things like fiora um anything that gives barrier a lot of some of your beefier or give toughness to your board um uh, you know with rangers resolve and get a whole bunch of guys to survive and this can happen while he's in your deck to level him up so he doesn't have to see it so it's not super hard to level him up when you level him up he's a six mana six four with barrier and when you attack you can pay his cost to summon him challenging the strongest enemy we know that every round start you create a fleeting cataclysm in hand which i'll go over in a moment and then when he challenges an enemy give him barrier this round so he seems super complex but basically he can burst from your hand and he has barrier in his leveled up form every time he challenges somebody he gets barrier he doesn't naturally have challengers so you have to find a way to give it to him and but here's the really interesting thing jarvin's cat the force cataclysm which is his his spell but you could also get cataclysm as a spell an ally starts a free attack challenging an enemy so in other words you get you 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 start a free attack, so you're not using up your attack token. What's really interesting about this is because you are getting an attack. I believe that if you use Cataclysm on a scout unit when you're up on your opponent's turn, 
use Cataclysm, you pull them in, they fight one another, and then you rally to get an attack token because technically you made an attack with only scout units. Um, so I think that's an interesting mechanic here and you're getting a free attack. So on your turn, you could Cataclysm to get the free attack, then attack with your scouts to rally and then attack again. And then if you don't have another, there's this, then you might have relentless, you know, pursuit in your head. You maybe get another rally. Very, very interesting to me. Um, I think that Cataclysm may be as interesting as Jarvan, to be perfectly honest with you, and may find as much uses, which is usually not the case with a summoner spell. It's important to note that it is slow, so your opponent can react to it pretty easily and remove your creature or remove their creature so that, you know, you don't get to pull your creature into the pit with them, basically. Um, so I, I think he's interesting because he can get pulled from hand. I think he's it's, he can surprise your opponent, kind of, potentially. So, like, the really interesting part is, is on turn six, if you have the attack token, you can open attack and pull this guy right like you don't have to develop him give your opponent a chance to respond with something on board and then attack you can open attack turn six and pull driving out which i think will be a very strong very powerful turn um for jarvan decks that turn six is going to be a swing turn for them okay i've said enough because i like him so what what were you thinking about jarvan because he's another demacia champ yeah you know um so it's another elite that's true as well. He is uh, an elite. Is is relevant, you know, for elites. I think elites uh, are already decent, but maybe a little bit um, inconsistent. Um, I think this is going to really help him. Uh, I think that hmm, obviously the best time to play him uh, is to never actually play him from hand, but just open swing. Mm -hmm. and get him down as basically a way to play your to play the card you you know you want to play and attack with but before your opponent has a way to do anything kind of like a risen mists style of uh, effect yeah mm -hmm. um it's kind of like a bear speed really champion strong on him i can see that yeah sort of um i, I, I he's strong um, you just kind of have to wait. He's kind of like a weirdly like kind of a finisher slash like game closer. Yeah. Uh, where like he may not instantly finish the game. Finisher is not quite right. He's like he'll start closing the game out for you if he can do his thing. But like he's not really an engine in and of himself because he comes down a little too late for that. Um. So really, it's, that's that's what it is. Is like on, ideally you have the attack token on uh, attack token on turn six, open swing with a board you've pre-established. Jarvi comes down, you get rid of the strongest thing. He doesn't get hurt because of the uh, because he's got the barrier, and everything else is left to go and push damage through. Now, even if they live through that, you've basically taken the strongest thing, hopefully killed it thanks to barrier, uh, and the rest of your board has either pushed damage or removed other things. And if they block everything uh, and the stuff survives, obviously you're contributing towards level up. I mean, that's kind of what he is. He's a closer. Um, it just may not all happen at once, and it may not be good, you know, good enough if the opponent has enough uh, defensive tricks because he doesn't have overwhelm. His attack stat at level one isn't that great. It's only five for a six mana guy, and once his barriers peeled, uh, he's pretty weak. 
Um, so he comes down for a massive kind of surprise impact. Uh, and then after that, you kind of have to spend resources protecting him if you, if you want him leveled up. Um, you know, I can, he's one of the few champs I'd say like having multiple copies is, is actually kind of good. Yeah. Cause you hand. get the cataclysm. Like, yeah. and, and, right. You'll get the cataclysm and, and, or if your first copy dies, the next time it comes around to your tag token, you're actually kind of happy he died. You can block with them on. So let's say you have the attack token on six. Uh, you swing, you open swing. We do everything I said. Then on turn, uh, Seven, seven yeah where it's block. their attack token you happily block with him if you have another copy in hand mm-hmm. because then uh you uh throw him out there he dies he hopefully takes something with him and then you just open swing again and get this other copy down yeah mm-hmm. pretty pretty cool um the cataclysm is is yeah just and, and, and there's also another card golden ages which gives an ally barrier and then rallies but it's a four mana slow speed it's clear that they associate Rally as being part of Demacia's identity. And as much as I, I kind of get annoyed when people uh, Relentless pursuit me, uh, it's it's a good identity kind of flavor for Demacia. And I, I wouldn't mind Demacia being renowned for the multiple attacks in a turn because that feels very like Vanguard, Knightly kind of behavior. Yeah, they're certainly um, so pushing think, them in that direction, right? Like very clearly. That, I think as long as it doesn't go too far, it's going to be a really good thing uh, for the flavor of Demacia and really making them stand out from the crowd. So that's cool. The other cards that are in this group didn't really interest me too, too much, except for King Jarvan Third. Yep. Um, and you, do you want to read this one? Sure, yeah, he's a he's a seven mana three six with tough. Uh and then when I'm summoned, summon Jarvin uh, draw Jarvin the fourth. So you get a Jarvin. This is Jarvin's dad, right? You get a Jarvin in your hand. Uh, if you didn't have one. So he's a tutor for Jarvin, which is great. Um and then uh but if he's already in play, instead give allies challenger and scout this round. Everybody gets challenger and scout, um, which is pretty crazy like like that's yeah. a that is a pretty good game ender right like if you have jarvin on board you you actually don't want him to tutor jarvin like you're actually well, really happy to have jarvin on board and then play this in order to to get a scout and challenger on everybody probably yeah what's cool here is that like let's say you you know you, you play jarvin on six he dies on you seven play, you'd play this seven yeah yeah, you can get another copy of him. Or if he, for some reason, sticks around off of seven on turn eight, you drop this guy and give everybody challenger and scout. Uh, it's it's pretty solid. And, you know, he's interestingly, like, defensively statted. Three, six. Not great, but he sticks around. He's got tough. He's just going to be a solid blocker for you. He's also elite, so he'll receive any elite buffs. Uh, it's it's a neat card, very neat card, and included the two are kind of meant to be played together. I like these cards, by the way. Ever since like Swain and Leviathan, and like Misfortune and Siren and and the Dreadway and whatnot. Now Siren and the Dreadway aren't that great, but I like the the idea behind it. I like oh, that direction yeah. of like you know associated big mana cost cards that will tutor their you know their guy out. So that that's really cool. Yeah, you are getting a lot of elites with this, and this is pretty clearly pushing. Like I'm looking at saying okay mono demacia just ramping out scouts into garen into jarvin into king jarvin the third 
um, you know, like there's a pretty easy curve that you can build for elites. I'm going to say that's boring for me personally. Um, but I, I think that the, the, the Garen on five, the Jarvan on six, the King Jarvan, the third on seven, um, it does is reminiscent of like really strong mid range curves that other games have. Um, yeah. and, uh, I think that that is where Demacia needs to be, right? It needs to be at a place where it's like, you either need to really crush me in the early game because if i develop a board i'm going to crush you or um you need to be so controlly um because if i get to the mid-range game i'm going to push so i'm going to put so much pressure on you with multiple attacks with barriers with challengers with resilient creatures with buffed boards i'm going to put out so much pressure that you're going to really struggle to maintain uh, a health total. And I think that that is uh, definitely like Jarvan pushes them in that direction. They really needed a six cost elite, like a good six cost elite champion. They really needed that for that elites deck. And, and this is it. So I like that a lot. Um, and I'm definitely day one playing Jarvan. Like that's, that's almost certainly a card for me. Um, well, this... You're more than welcome to do that because I'm going to be playing this next Talia. champ yeah go ahead tell us about talia because this is there's so many things in this set oh my gosh oh my gosh so many things yeah so talia is by far the most interesting so far in my opinion um although obviously i think i'm going to be messing with renekton and noxus for funsies um but talia is hmm uh I'll just read her. Uh, so she says, play, summon an exact copy of an allied landmark. And then you so level up. Level up, you've summoned five plus landmarks. Now, obviously that works while she's in your hand or deck. Well, it'll be one of those that is a counter. She doesn't have to see you play them. You just have to summon five plus landmarks. Summon, by the way. And that includes the copies, like if you're duplicating them and stuff like that or generating them off of other things. You don't have to just play them. Um, so that's really cool. Her leveled up form. So she's a two, a two, four for five. So weak stats, but her leveled up form, um, same thing on play. But then when you attack, you deal two to your blocker. And if it's dead or gone, you deal two to the next enemy nexus instead. But if you have a landmark, you'll do it two more times. So basically she's going to be able to throw a ton of rocks at things. If you've got landmarks down. So she's all about copying versions of landmarks that you already have to get those benefits uh and then uh you know keeping landmarks around so that you can have her be a really effective attacker i love this because of all of the landmarks that they've been printing with it sharima already has like more landmarks than all the other factions combined or something silly not quite maybe not quite that many but they have so many landmarks right now yep. um and it's not just about like sun disc or anything like that there are all these super cheap, small little landmarks that you can put down, most of which have countdowns and do things that allow you to get uh, like delayed board presence, which I absolutely think is the coolest thing. So for instance, you have the Hibernating Rock Bear. It's a two mana landmark on countdown three, you get to summon a five, four rock bear. Yep. And then you have bear. something... Yeah, Grumpy Rock Bear, Salt Spring, uh, or Salt Spire, Countdown 2, Summon a Rock Bear. Uh, and then if you have summoned four plus landmarks this game, you grant strongest ally plus two plus two. Uh, 
You've got the, uh, let's see, Rolling Sands, two mana. When an enemy is summoned, destroy me to grant it vulnerable. Uh, you've got Stasis Statue. Uh, countdown one, summon an exact copy of the obliterated unit I replaced. So if your board ever gets too wide and you need a landmark, you can slap the Stasis Statue down, obliterate something that's in your way, get the value from the landmark to level up to Leah, and then one turn later, put that obliterated thing right back on the board, uh, which, by the way, if it has a summon effect, will then trigger. So you so, just got so much stuff going on here. So there's a couple of interesting things. One first, Ancient Hourglass goes with Status Statue. It's a two mana fast spell that says obliterate an ally and summon a Status Statue in its place. So you could. Oh, I thought that that was a printed one. Okay. No, so it only goes. Well, so there's two interests because Rolling Sands isn't printed either. I want to get to that in just a second. So you can obliterate your own champion, get a Status Statue, then play a copy of the champion, and then the next round you have two copies of that champion. Because once it's obliterated, uh, once it's obliterated and it's inside the status statue, the duplicates in your hand are no longer their spells. They turn back into the creatures. Oh, true. And then you can yeah. play a copy of one. And then the next turn, it counts down one and you get a second copy. So this Sound is how like you can get a replicating thing. Exactly. With, um, Talia Anivia. Yeah. Now, the interesting thing is this rolling sands, which gets destroyed. It's also not playable, but you have rock hopper that says when I'm summoned, summon a rolling sands. So it's a two mana three one but the thing that i think is even more interesting which i saw today is rolling earth is a three mana burst spell that summons two rolling sands and then draws you a card so you're going to get two copies of this landmark that is destroyed and then if let's say on turn four you have three spell mana you can do unraveled earth to summon two rolling sands and draw a card and then you can play the desert naturalist for four mana and it reads play destroy a landmark if it's allied if it's allied summon a grumpy rock bear so you can destroy your opponent's landmark but if you play unveiled earth or unraveled earth getting two rolling stands sack it you're paying four mana for a two four and a five four and then you also still have a rolling sands on the board to give one of your opponent's creatures the next one that they play vulnerable. It's like, a nice little little seven mana combo, but you can totally pull that off. But it's uh, a seven mana combo you can do on turn four because it's burst unravel. Yeah, with Earth. right, exactly. And and it's it's there's so many interesting things here. Obviously, you've got um, a, a three mana two four scout size scout uh, play predict, which is a whole other thing we haven't touched. But if you pick a, yep. uh, you'll you'll look at the top three cards and you can pick one to go on top. If you pick a landmark, it gets elusive, a permanent elusive. That's pretty pretty nice. Um, and just there's there's so much cool stuff. Obviously, uh, with the Rolling Sands not being a printed card, it's so much better uh, pulling it from Rock Hopper or Unraveled Earth. Um, and yes. then you know, uh, it's pretty interesting. Now, Stasis Statue is one I thought was uh, I don't know what I thought it was. But you're right, there's no gem down there. But Ancient Hourglass is absolutely fascinating in the first place. Um, but then you've got one of my favorite ones, Shaped Stone. One mana burst spell. Give an ally plus one, plus one this round. But if you summon a landmark this game, plus three, plus one on a one mana burst. I know. I literally. It's so good. Somebody in my chat today was like, ah, oh, that's not very good. And I was like, are you are you joking? Are you it's joking? So, you, you get one mana plus three, plus one. I mean, like. Like Pale Cascade was plus two plus one. Now, granted, it cantripped, right? But you know the the plus one defense sometimes still saves your unit. The plus two attack is what was so good because you could go 
and trick up, you know, by uh, plus two, you can trick up by plus three, and you're almost in, in this deck, specifically in this deck. You this oh, will yeah. always, always have benefit. I mean, you can run a single copy of Sun Disc just to have a uh landmark to play literally on turn one if you want to go full allegiance, uh, which you may not want to do because there's some good, uh, interesting kind of um. I guess uh, landmarks in other factions, but yeah, there's, there's some synergies. Even still, here. there is enough landmarks here to theoretically play a you know mono Sharima list if you there's, really wanted there's to. There's enough landmark synergy here to play a mono Talia mono Sharima list. <laughs> like, yeah, you, you totally could. It, it's just it's cohesive. It is, but I but even but the difference here between like let's talk about um uh like tom kench and soraka that deck built itself to the point where it wasn't fun this still still feels like there's plenty of things that you can pair this with plenty of experimentation to be had you have this core package kind of like with um kind of like you had with uh with um daybreak you had that core package but what you put it with is still up for grabs and that's really really cool you do have a core package here, but keep in mind, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of different landmarks and there and there's more that's going to be coming out, whereas there wasn't a lot of other daybreak cards and there's probably not going to be a lot more that's going to come out. And so what I and they're not going to be in a bunch of different regions. They're pretty much going to be mostly Targon. And that is what I love about this set of cards is that well, Talia feels very versatile. She feels very, very fun to play. And this landmark centric deck sounds it, the coolest part is, is that there's not a lot of landmark removal in, but none of these things are like, oh, they're going to win the game if this stays on the board, like Targon's Peak, right? Or yeah. something like that. They're all like, okay, like this is just generating value in a way that you you really have a hard time responding to or interacting with the Talia deck because of the rock bears, um, because mm -hmm. of the different things that they're summoning. Uh, I think that status, I think that the ancient hourglass into status statue talk there. Stasis? Stasis statue. St st stasis statue. Um, that's a tongue twister. I think that that <laughs> right there is i think that that has the chance to be crazy i mean just so just think about it okay so let's say you have a talia on board and you have one in hand and they challenge your talia to kill her you ancient hourglass to create a a statue of her and then you summon the other one in your hand to copy the statue and then yep. on your next yep. round you, you can have get three, three talias. you have three talias yep. through that like yep. that is going to be hilarious that's not actually that's a two card combo that's not that hard to do like that's the crazy part yeah you just have to have two copy it's a three card combo because you have, have to have talia. double talias in hand uh but but still like not by no means is that uh you know unfeasible if you play this deck enough that that will happen until he is definitely leveling up like very easily leveling up yeah you can probably i mean i don't know if you can quite level her by the time that she comes in like before she comes in but probably with the extra one that she does you could probably hit either your fourth maybe your fifth landmark uh depending on how you curve out uh obviously things like rock hopper uh is going to be pretty essential to just putting crap landmarks i mean rolling sands rolling roiling excuse me roiling sands oh is it ro think roiling reading, sands? I, yeah I think yeah roiling that. sands is not great but it it's still i mean giving things vulnerable is good but it, it's not really playing ball with like the the hibernating rock bears and and stuff like that it's not really going to give you a board presence but what it is is it's just simply getting talia triggered with a little slight upside um 
Rock it is. Hopper's and awesome. Talia really wants things to be vulnerable because she wants to pelt them with rocks and be able exactly. to choose she, the thing she, it attacks. She wants to throw rocks at things, right? Yes. And uh, I, yeah, no, I'm, I am so excited for this. I think, by the way, Desert Naturalist, one of the best, like, just generic cards to come out here. Uh, just a, a, a unit that destroys a landmark, as opposed to like a, almost everything else was a spell, I think. Mm -hmm. uh this is great at the four mana slot too even the two four stats aren't even that big of a deal especially because if you're playing this in a talia list you're getting almost guaranteed a five four, four. yeah i mean it's i mean how that's, that's seven like, eight. look at that stats that's, seven eight stats for four mana yeah seven eight it's gonna be stats. dope like it's gonna be so dope that's the like seven eight like oh my gosh and you definitely want to play this with like rock hopper or or unravel yeah. earth like you want to you want to get something that you don't mind losing and some of these cheaper ones you don't mind losing and uh wow yeah i think that even like sun disc like you might even be willing to sack your sun disc just to be like oh yeah i'm gonna get oh seven i was considering that yeah like yeah why like why not right i mean if you you're not planning to, she's not ascended unless there's some really good ascended card coming out really the only reason why you'd run sun disc uh would be if you're deciding to go allegiance just to make sure you can drop a uh a sun disc on turn one or you maybe don't even drop it on turn one. You maybe you know bank the spell mana, spell mana, and wait until you have a chance where you're really not playing anything else, uh, just to help with uh, speeding up the Talia level. But I, I suspect there'll be a better way to play with a uh, landmark in another region, uh, perhaps something like Grand Plaza, Grand or Scargrounds, or Star Spring. Even is is Star Springs at least you know cheap i don't know uh but it, it, needless to say it's one of the most interesting and different play styles that we've seen uh in lor period end of conversation and it's playing up the um you know this new card type that they released in the so last cool. cycle and it's really really like cool. this but i think we need to i think we need to move to the next move one down the list we, yeah. we gotta we gotta get into the ice we gotta get into the frail yord here um we got two champions left to talk about the frail yord and this this is where my excitement is reaching its zenith is lissandra lissandra the 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 winter witch is a three mana two three with tough and when i am summoned summon a frozen thrall frozen thrall is a one mana landmark with countdown eight once it counts down, it summons a Frostguard Thrall. Frostguard Thrall is an 8-mana eight 8-8 eight, eight with Overwhelm. Once you have summoned two plus allies that cost 8 or more, summoned, not played, summoned, well, when uh, then when I level up, and so she levels up, and when I level up, you create a copy of the Watcher in hand, which I'll get to in a moment. Lissandra is a leveled up 3-mana three 3-4 three, with Tough, and it says your Nexus is tough and when i'm summoned summon a frozen thrall and then round start create a fleeting zero cost ice shard in hand there's so many cards that go along with this character so many cards that go with this champion so first off nexus gets tough which means every source of damage that you take you're going to take one less goodbye aggro once you level her up ice shard is a three mana fast spell that deals one damage to everything well guess what lissandra and your nexus have tough so it just deals one damage to your enemy nexus and one damage to the entire board doesn't deal damage to lissandra doesn't deal damage to your nexus 
and it costs zero whenever you get it. So you can every round, every round you get this. And then in addition to that, when she levels up, she creates the Watcher, which is a 17 mana creature, so you cannot play it, um, that is in 11 attack, 17 health creature that is I cost as reads I cost zero if you've summoned four allies that cost eight plus this game and then attack obliterate the enemy deck so Lissandra is a stall mechanic Lissandra is an eight mana eight eight overwhelm mechanic puts that on the board she is also a game ending mechanic with the 17 mana 11 17 watcher that obliterates your enemy's deck um absolutely not so absolutely crazy so dbn i uh I'm, I'm sure that have you seen some of the uh like the quote-unquote one-term combos with the watcher yet i've seen people talking about them okay so let me just describe really quickly and actually this goes out to bones because he showed me this uh in in discord so you play Revitalizing Roar, which is a seven mana spell. You reveal a card from your hand. You gain health equal to the health of the, the attack of the creature that you revealed. And if you are enlightened, which means you're at 10 mana, that creature gets dropped to zero. It costs nothing. So in other words, on turn, once you reach turn, you know, 10 mana, you play that on the Watcher. You get 11 health. And then the Watcher goes from 17 mana to zero. Then you play with Ionia Return, which returns a creature to your hand, and then it creates a fleeting, or I'm sorry, I don't know, retreat, retreat. It creates a fleeting one mana burst spell that says, take a creature that costs two or less and place them on the board at burst speed. So you burst speed out the Watcher and attack with it in one turn, leaving your opponent with no capability of reacting to their deck being obliterated. That's a lot of cards you need. It it is it is so it, it is and it isn't. So what it is is it's it's uh it's retreat and return. It's Lissandra, leveled. Leveled. Well, it's you not going to be. It's Lissandra. not going to be hard to level Lissandra. First off, she. Uh, it's what? not going to be hard to we level. Reading Lissandra. the same card. We are reading the same card. You want to know why? Because you play her with Trundle, and Trundle plays Ice Pillar, and she naturally with Frozen Thrall gives herself one tick. And she doesn't have to see yeah, one you do it by the end. Yeah, but it's going to take nine turns to do that. I sure. thought a lot about Lissandra. This is a control and... deck. This is definitely, this is a grindy yeah, but so is control Feel the deck. Rush. Play, just play Feel the Rush and win faster. Okay, that's probably true. <laughs> like, that's what I'm landing on with Lissandra. I'm sorry. I just, I mean, I, I like the, the, the watcher. Maybe I'm caught on a cute. meme. It's it's cute, but but I'm not seeing anything in a Lissandra control list that that is going to be more consistent than what is already that what Trundle's already doing with Trendemir and Feel the Rush slash War Mother's Call. It's a harder to pull off slower game plan uh, if you're going for a late game control strategy. At least with what I've seen here, I'm not impressed but, okay 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 fair fair i'm playing her though but i'm playing her though <laughs> but well me too i'm totally playing her too and the reason why is i'm gonna play the crap out of her with talia because she summons a frozen thrall for free when she comes in 
contributing a landmark towards leveling Talia just in time on turn three, curving into your four-mana Desert Naturalist, which can blow up the Frozen Thrall, which you'll probably never get enough ticks on anyways, uh, to get a Grumpy Rock Bear. Yes, um, yes. And uh, you get the other cool, the the coolest card out of all of these, in my opinion, the Draklorn Inquisitor. Yeah, the Draklorn Five Inquisitor. Five mana. When I'm summoned, summon a Frozen Thrall. Round in. If the countdown of any of your Frozen Thralls is four or less, advance them to zero. So um, that's pretty cool. I don't know if that goes in the Talia list, but I, I think Lissandra might because uh, it's just another card that can speed up Talia getting leveled and it comes down perfectly in curve for the Naturalist. Um, but I think I'm just going to farm out Lissandra for her free landmark. I, I I will say I will say I really like her leveled up form uh, of of creating like the ice shards and also uh, of the you know, nexus being tough. The watcher thing just kind of uh, I'm kind of like hey like cool close the game out. If if you can stall the game that long, you're gonna win probably anyways. And so what the my, it can be the watcher if you want. I'd rather personally go for War Mothers or Feel the Rush or whatever. But hey, if you want to win with the Watcher, more power to you. You've probably won in the same way that you won with those other two. But I love this Ice Shard and Blighted Ravine vibes of like whirlwind effects, like clearing stuff out with like icy uh, cataclysms and avalanche style of play. Like more of that, more AoE is interesting to me. I think it's also interesting, too, because you have Lissandra's uh, Entomb, which is just Entomb, which is obliterate a unit and summon a Frozen Tomb in its place. Frozen Tomb is a landmark, zero-cost landmark, countdown two, summon an exact copy of the obliterated unit that I replaced. So something that's interesting here is, okay, so you can save your own creature this way, right, by Entombing it, and two rounds later, you get it back, which you can also then copy the Frozen Tomb with your Talia, or you can entomb a big boy that you cannot get rid of another way, and then you can use Desert Naturalist and destroy the yeah. entomb before the countdown two goes off, and then you destroy that creature through, argue, it's a two-point combo, but it's a way to get rid of a big boy without having big boys. It's a, it's a hard removal there, and I think that that's interesting too. I think that Entomb is a really interesting card, and I love that there's, I mean, Entomb and Ancient Hourglass are basically the same thing. Ancient Hourglass costs two with a countdown one, Entomb costs five with a countdown two, but Entomb can target your enemies, which makes it a little bit more versatile which I think is yeah. interesting, and yeah, I really they're, they're like both, it. They're both really cool, and I'm excited to mess with them. Here's what I'll say, though. If they print a card that speeds up um, countdowns uh, anymore, obviously Draculorn Inquisitor will do that with your Frozen Thralls. The problem is uh, you're not going to be able to get a Frozen Thrall down at least until turn three. Mm -hmm. um, and so... Draclorn Inquisitor is not really going to be able to accelerate your thralls. In the perfect world that you got Lissandra on three, um, Draclorn Inquisitor is not going to be able to advance it until turn seven. Yeah. Uh -huh. So it's just kind of slow, like a little too slow to be able to rely consistently on getting your frozen thralls out early. But if they print a card that, you know, they already have the Hierophant that advances the sun disc by two 
if they like say for instance printed a I don't know a four drop that said round end reduce all of your landmarks countdowns by one or whatever then yep. you might start looking at a frozen thrall related deck that's a little more viable i just am concerned that you're not going to be able to get them out quick enough yeah i don't uh, think that in the comparison frozen... to other like froyord strategies because that's the thing like froyord has a lot of ways to play control and getting one more way to play control is fun i just i just well, Lysandra is my preferred way to play control because hey, it could more free power me. To you. Here's what I like about it. It could free me from Shadow Isles, right? It could free me from Shadow Isles. Like I could get this, this sort of meme combo that obliterates my enemy's deck that I think is relatively reliable because I know you're saying it relies on a lot of cards. It relies, it relies on leveled up Lysandra and uh, it relies on uh, a single, it relies on, and then two other spells, Revitalizing Roar, which you might run in this deck anyway because it's health game, and then Retreat Return, um, which you can dip into Ionia to pick up that and maybe Will or something. Um, I, yeah, you know what, like it could it could be completely off base, but I know that on, on day one, I'm going to be streaming and this is what we're going to be checking out. We're going to be trying to pull you know, this off. And that's totally fine. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I, I, I'm not trying to criticize the idea of playing a more experimental Mimi list. I guess I'm just not, you know, you, you, you need Lissandra leveled up. You need, which gives you Watcher. You need the Retreat Return. You need Revitalizing Roar. But if you think about it, to get Lissandra leveled up, you needed a bunch more other cards, right? Now, obviously not specific ones, but it is specific in the idea that, like, you needed to have gotten, uh, you know, uh, the two allies yeah, uh, to get mm -hmm. to eight costs. So it's just, it, there's a lot of things that are going to go into this and it's, it's not like you're going to be able to pull this off on turn seven. Oh, you're, no, at that's minimum, never going to happen. You have to wait till turn 10. <laughs> and so, you know, if, if you could pull this off on an earlier turn, even if it was a bit of a stretch, I'd be looking at this like, Oh, okay. But I mean, you're talking about a turn 10 plus combo that requires minimum three cards and a level up. I'm doing, just, it, I'm, doing it of, I'm doing it a hundred times. Hey, more power to you. Uh, <laughs> Why don't you but, take but us cool, back to Sharima? A fun idea. Why don't you take us back to Sharima? Yeah, so our, our, our last champion for the evening uh, is another one that I find really interesting. Uh, Nasus. This is another Ascended, so that means it's got three levels that we'll have to get through. Yep. Uh, it it's base level it's a six mana champion so this is cool because you know we're seeing another you know later game more expensive champion which i feel like we've seen a drop off in recently yeah, we got um, a lot a lot of early game champions uh in the last couple of sets for sure right yeah um so he's fearsome which is cool which i guess makes sense because he's like this anubis death dog mm -hmm. uh literally just anubis um but his effect is fascinating. He starts at two mana. He's a six mana two two. So he's got two two stats for six mana. Well, not really, because uh, he has this passive ability. He has plus one plus one for each unit you've slain this game. Um, so slay is now a tracker. That's kind of a new keyword. But basically, uh, you get credit for slaying an ally or an enemy if one of your cards kills it, whether that's damage striking or direct kill effect so obviously if you destroy one of your opponent's blockers that counts as one 
-hmm. it will not count as uh, if your minion dies in the trade, that will not count. Yes, um, exactly. Because that is them killing your guy. So their slay counter will go up one. Um, if you want to uh, do, uh, what's that card? Um, Glimpse Beyond. If you glimpse beyond your cursed keeper, that's a slay effect because mm -hmm. you killed it with your spell. If you kill something with a um, whirling death or with consecrated combat, strike, yeah, that's a strike. You know that's that's going to count as well. So if you play Nasus on six and you've killed five units of the combination of yours and your opponent's, he comes down as a six mana seven seven with fearsome. And then of course every time you slay a unit he gets another plus one plus keeps one. getting bigger uh, yeah he keeps getting bigger keeps getting bigger he literally is getting stacks based on the number of souls that are going to the uh underworld i just think that it's just super simple but flavorful mm -hmm. um once you have struck once nasus has striked for 10 plus damage um then he levels to level two that level two gives uh it keeps fearsome but gives them a spell shield which i like i like seeing spell shield on champions this is really really cool i'd like maybe to see i wouldn't mind a, a buff to a champion in another faction to give it spell shield yep some um, of the older ones yep some of the older champions yeah uh and so it still gets a plus one plus one for each uh unit you've slain but it has a new passive effect that all enemies have minus one attack it's simple, but I think the biggest thing at this level two is the spell shield. Him, him getting spell shield is, seems like the biggest thing at this level two. Um, and then once you have restored the sun disc, which, you know, who knows? Uh, but if it happens, he immediately jumps to a baseline 10-10, which really means way more because of his plus one, plus one for each unit you've slain this game. Uh, get spell shield again in case it was gone, and then your uh, gives all enemies minus three attack. Yeah, which he has fearsome, which means he's going to be very. You can't chump block this guy. In other words, right? Like yeah. there's, if you, you not if only you, can't chump block this guy, you can't seriously block this guy. Yeah, nah, he's he's crazy. Uh, so so you know a, it's a unit that wants you to be killing things. Uh, whether that's going to be controlling your opponent. Uh, and you know, playing PNZ and blowing everything in the sky up, or in the way that I think I'd want to play him, uh, pressuring your opponent with you know early game units that are going to either kill blockers as they as they get blocked or push the damage and just win the game outright on their own. Then when Nasus comes down on six and is a big beefy fearsome, if your opponent's not playing anything to block, well, you know, you probably have built a board, and so not a big deal. If they've been killing everything, Nasus is huge. Uh, or rather, if they've been blocking and you've been killing things, Nasus is huge. Now, you can also go the direction of playing uh, Shadow Isles and just, just focusing on doing some undying shenanigans, which is totally what I'm going to do, let's be honest. Uh, Glimpsing and uh, Ethereal Remitter and Chronicler of Ruin and all these things to manually kill your own things, of course, you know, to your own to your own benefit, you know, Ravenous Butcher or whatnot. Um and uh and, and then of course closing out the game with Nasus as opposed to what exactly? That was always the issue with like those undying decks, is you really had a hard time finding a uh Shadow Isles champion that really closed the game out for you because the highest level one would be like uh you know, Hecarum would come down, but that doesn't really play 
ball with like Cursed Keeper and stuff, the best thing you'd have would be trying to stick a Callista and get her level, which, you know, at three defense, she gets eaten by a lot of things. Uh, Nasus is going to be come down and have a lot more, you know, they're, they're, he's going to have a lot uh, tougher time getting killed uh, just because he's going to be such a beefcake. This is this is cool, man. I love this. Yeah, my thought was actually to play Nasus Freljord um, with Trundle. Uh, and then uh, there's that new. You want to play everything with Trundle. Well, there's that new Frailyard <laughs> card. There's two. So there's two reasons, and the the two reasons are not necessarily just because Trundle's like the best Frailyard champion if you're not trying to play Frailyard, right? Um, and so there's two cards that go well with that. That I because this is what I want on Nasus. I want regeneration on him, and I want protection for him. And there's two cards mm. now in in Freljord that can give him regen. I mean, yeah. So you have the troll gift, and then you also have the troll that gives him overwhelm and regeneration if you play mm. her and you have an eight cost card in hand. And Anasis mm. with overwhelm and re regeneration, and then some of the cards in Freljord that can help protect him in trick trades to keep him alive. Just says, nope. I'm just gonna get this constantly growing thing that you can't get rid of and get spell shield partway through, and he keeps getting bigger. And then he gets overwhelmed and he gets regen and you can't get rid of him. And then eventually he just kills you. Um, and that's 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 kind of where I want to play him is kind of like the frost dog. Right. I want to I want to throw him in and I'm really just playing Trundle so I can get that eight cost uh, pillar in my hand. So that way I can behold something eight cost to be able to give my Nasus regeneration and overwhelm because this constantly growing champion with regen and overwhelm is pretty bonk like that's pretty crazy and not only that but you can destroy a lot of creatures because you can run things like avalanche and like your uh, avaros and sentries that you actually want to block with your omen hawks that you want to block with you're playing mm -hmm. a lot of early game mm -hmm. chump blockers a little bit of removal um and maybe a little bit of health gain and then you know you can also splash in some of these other new sharima cards that we're going to be getting um and so uh, yeah i i think that that is i either want to experiment him with him there or i want to see what comes out when azir comes out and play a mono list that's a mono sharima with azir nasus i just am curious to see what azir does first obviously yeah i mean we, there's we still haven't seen azir and we still haven't seen uh, i think it's leblanc is supposed to be the noxus one that i think we're supposed to get yeah at least at least two more right like we we might be getting more uh, than two yeah, let's see. Azir would bring us to four. We uh, have to be getting five. Sharima We're getting five. I think okay. we're getting five. So Are we getting five and four? Because there's another, like, yeah, the we're, last... We're getting, we're getting four for sure. We're getting four other factions. So it's going to be uh, Freljord, Demacia. At least this is what I've I've heard from a couple different places. Uh, uh, Sharima... Sorry, not Shreema. Um, Freljord, Demacia, Noxus, and I don't remember what the other one was going to be. Yeah, I don't um, remember either. And then it would be two and two for the other expansions. Yep, that makes sense. So we're going to get probably two more champions. I think we're getting two more champions for Shreema and at least one, maybe two more champions for Shreema and then two more champions for other regions that we haven't seen. And I think that the Blanc is, uh, I think that's pretty accurate. I think that that's... Uh, yeah, I don't yeah. remember. I think that they said there's there's rumors that there might be spoilers kindred um for Shadow Isles. Shadow Isles. That's the one that's the other one I would heard be too. So excited. I would lose my freaking mind if we get Kindred and he's cool for Shadow Isles. Like yeah. with that caveat it has to be cool. Um well that's for any card, you know. Yeah. 
so so some of the NASA support cards are kind of interesting. Notably, um, I think that there is some crossover, maybe a little bit with Renekton, um, but mm -hmm. I think there's maybe better ways better ways to do it. Um, so you've got this Nasus's uh, card is Siphoning Strike. Um, so it's a five mana slow spell. So so pretty slow, uh, both in terms of you know obviously it being slow, but also game tempo. Like you can't play it super early. Um, it says an ally strikes a unit. If it dies, grant allied champions everywhere plus two plus two. Um, and so this again is sort of playing with the idea of you running and i think that we might eventually see you know with these ascendants some sort of like multi like uh ascended crossover it might be encouraging you to play more than just two champs at three copies each and instead trying to get you know more ascendants and more variety of ascendants out there especially with you're giving all these allied champions everywhere plus two plus two and you also got all these different cards that i mean a couple of them we didn't even go over that pull champs into your hand Sundisk does that naturally if you can flip it. Uh, so there's a lot of ways to do that. And, and so it seems to me like that's really interesting. But naturally, if you can do this with, you, you can play Siphoning Strike and have Renekton go smack something and get plus two, plus two out of it. Like that ain't bad either. Um, yeah, that's pretty good. There's just going to be other ways to do it, like Concerted Strike. You've got, you know, Whirling Death when you go to combat. But then, of course, you've also got that new uh, Wild Claws one, which would just be a natural and better fit if you're teaming up with Noxus. Um, but but notably, a striking effect uh, it, within Shirima. It shouldn't be shouldn't be overlooked. Yeah, I think the important part there, right, is that it's a it's a it's a strike that you can play without having to play Noxus or Demacia. Um, and that's the first time that we've seen that. And really, if you went for strikes, you typically went to Demacia, and now you don't necessarily have to do that not that this is the best version of a strike but it's an interesting version and an interesting new take on a strike i don't know if you it, so the other i think that the the last two uh, uh ascended champions are azir and zareth i think in the lore so i think in the lore renekton is trying to overthrow azir and nasus is a guardian for azir and i believe that zareth steals uh, Azir's ascension at some point in the in the lore, and so I think that Azir and Zareth are our other two ascended champions. Don't know that we're going to get them both now, but I think those are like the two ascended champions that are kind of like uh, that we we could we could potentially be getting. The other thing that I love is that like you know Nasus and Renekton are enemies, and in the mm -hmm. tier three of Nasus, he's like clubbing Renekton in the face, and in the tier three of artwork of Renekton, he's choking uh, Nasus to death. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think that's cool. cool that they make uh, they make appearances in each other's tier three cards, uh, level three cards. Yeah. I think that's super very cool. very you know flavorful crossover. I mean, they used to have like versus system cards. You know, I think, I think like Yu Gi Oh and Magic cards did it too, where like you know if there was like a, a big rivalry or something like that, you could put the card arts next to each other and they connect to form one big picture. Oh, that's that's cool. kind of like the vibe it feels like with where they're going to be crossing over into each other's art because they're kind of uniquely entwined. Um, there's two more cards that really fascinate me here. I think are just like really big cards we got to talk about, though. Real fast. Yeah, go ahead. Spirit Fire. Spirit Fire. Seven mana burst spell. 
dang, it's expensive, but it, it can't be countered because it's burst. Uh-huh. So that really takes some of the edge off of a big expensive card, okay? Give enemies minus two attack and round end deal two to me. This is an avalanche that can't be countered. It's delayed, so it goes to round end. So they can buff stuff up if they want. But it also has the instant benefit of you being able to play it as a combat trick in the middle of a fight. Against your entire enemy's board. Against the entire enemy board, who then at the end of the round will all take two damage? That has the potential to be a very strong control card. Now, I don't know how much control stuff Shurima is going to end up having. I don't know how much control Shurima is going to end up playing. But Spiritfire has got to be in there as a big-time candidate against any sort of go-wide strategies. Uh, You know, imagine getting, like, a wide board, like, thrown at you. First off, you can instantly just say, okay, you're, you threw, you know, four units at me. They're all going to get minus two. So that's instantly eight less damage I'm going to take. Mm-hmm. And oh, by the way, at the end of the round, they're all going to take two damage themselves. And likely most of them are going to die if you have that wide of a board, you know. Right. It, so cool. So cool. And I'm excited to see. And maybe I'll end up hating it. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but I think that it's interesting because you have that sort of little bit of counterplay too where like okay crap they spirit fired me uh it's passed back to me you know i can play a couple things to buff them out of the death range or do i just let them go away mm-hmm. like you've got some you've got some agency there if you get spirit fire played against you um and it is pricey um and then the other one is sanctum conservator like what what do you think about this thing because i think this thing is like like pretty uh, dope Okay, so Sanctum Conservator, 8-mana, eight 8-5, eight with Fearsome that reads, play if you've slain 13-plus units this game, kill all enemy followers, then summon a copy of me. Um, okay, so I'll just be honest. My personal opinion is it's kind of weird, um, and, like, I, I could see where it could be strong, but I'm not super impressed by it. Um, really? I'm not. And, and let me just tell you why. First off, it is a skill. So your opponent can react to it going off. Second off, you have to have slain 13 things to get the value off of this thing on turn eight. And there's almost no chance that on turn eight, you're going to have slain 13 things. The third reason is because it doesn't slay champions. And so you're going to kill all of your opponent's creatures, but you're not going to kill your opponent's champions, which is usually the only things that you want to kill. you, You really don't think that in a dedicated like shadow isles nasus uh like self blow up cycle glimpse emitter deck that you can't get to 13 by turn eight between you blowing up your own guys summoning more guys and then being forced to block those guys maybe you don't in think that you can get to 13 okay maybe in that very specific deck yes um but i think in the vast majority of decks no i think it, here's the thing i think that this card can you can on turn eight do this if you're built around it but i don't think the payoff because it doesn't kill champions is significant yeah, enough but, but you get to be built 16, around 16 10 of stats both fearsome so like let's say they've got heck if they even have two champions out you still wipe two of the followers. You know, let's say they've got an average, you know, good, decent board state at the end of the game. They've got two champions and a handful of followers. You wipe all the followers, and then you get two eight attack dudes that are just going to eat the champions in combat. 
So okay, my thing is it's I, a major board flip. It is. It but is. You you have to build around it. You no you you have to build around it. It's kind of like a, a Riptide Rex vibe. Yeah, it, this card requires too much of me. However, it does not require too much of you if you already want to build the deck that it makes sense in, <laughs> right? Does that make sense? Like, yeah, it, yeah. I like, mean, I don't want to. I'm not like looking to play that specific deck, and I know that you really like that deck. If I was looking to play that deck, this card would go in it. But I'm not like I'm not like jazzed to play that necessarily. So I'm looking at this, and I'm like, yeah, that don't it doesn't fit what I'm looking but here's to play. The you know. You know, but there's going to be sometimes, you know, there's going to be sometimes where you might just play this as an eight mana, eight five, fearsome. And yeah, maybe, it's you know, bad. you don't get the doubling or whatever. It's bad That's for eight. Bad. It's bad. No. But, you, you know, if you're playing a controlly deck, sometimes you make super mana inefficient plays because you don't care about mana efficiency. Like, that's control in a nutshell. Oh, and if you're playing like, an eight mana, eight five, do nothing, eight mana, eight five with fearsome, do nothing, you probably yeah, but lost. there's But think about how many, no, no, I told, I 100% disagree. Think about how many times in like Karina control, you just sit there with too many cards in hand and just, and just waffle. And you're like, I guess I'll just waste some mana. Yeah, I've never like, wanted to it happens all the time in Shadow Isles Control. <sighs> Plus, if you're like playing, if you're playing like a a very you know removal heavy deck, I don't know. I think Sanctum Conservator's L listen, dope. Listen, you we can, can agree to disagree. You create him with your Nasus Shadow Isles deck. I will get my Frail Yord uh, Ionia deck uh, with my Watcher combo, and we'll face off against one another, we'll, and then we'll, we'll duke it we'll, out. Yeah, we'll see which one of us was wrong. So. <laughs> deal <laughs> that that may be the thing that we have to do yeah i think the, the, the only other card i'm just going to mention is the one mana one two with fearsome that is when you slay a unit grant me plus one plus zero this is a growing one mana card um that has fearsome built into it um and i think that i i really think that's a really interesting and potentially very powerful one drop for sharima like that's yeah, their power I, one they drop. also have a one mana three one like that's a good card. That's a really good card too. Yes. The one mana three one. Just imagine. It looks imagine like he came you... directly off of what's that? What's that desert movie where they're going around? Mad Max. Mad Max. Looks like he's yeah. straight off of Mad Max. <laughs> right? Straight out of Mad Max. But yeah. but I mean, bro, uh, you drop that on turn one. Swing for three if they don't play a one drop. Even if they, even if you know they do play a one drop or two drop, you can drop this guy on turn two or three and eat their three drop, maybe even their four drop. Mm -hmm. Like that's perfect stats for a one drop. That's like ideal stats for a one drop. Yeah, so I like. I love. I'll tell you what, Sharima is a, a really cool faction. Um, really. Oh, really it's cool. gonna be so neat. And and also one thing we haven't even touched on, which we don't have really have time to get into in depth, but they've got this like a couple cards here. It's all about blowing up your own mana gems, which is oh, just we didn't completely, even touch that. completely like unforeseen territory. Like we 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 have no reference for how that's going to end up playing out. But I really think it's neat. I love that idea of like blowing up your own resources for powerful you know <laughs> effects or for alternative costs. I don't know if any of the cards that specifically do it are that great, but it's cool. Yeah, we uh, we didn't even hit on like uh, any of the predict cards, like the 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 two mana uh, Preservarium, 
uh preservary preservarium the it's a two mana landmark yeah. that it's two mana when i'm summon draw one countdown to draw one and i'm like dang that card is a good card like i i think that card is really interesting and really good um you know there there's there's a couple of landmarks in there that work well with talia cheap landmarks work with talia in there and predict yeah. predict as a mechanic gives you three random cards from your deck not the three from your top but three random cards from your deck you choose one and put it on top and shuffle the rest into your deck like that is a really cool new mechanic that is probably yeah. going to be connected with zillion who's like a time wizard um from sharima and so you're looking at this you like think zillion might be the uh the next yeah champion that I, comes out? I think it's going to be zillion azir i think the i think we almost guaranteed are going to get zillion azir here like you have all of these clock guys i think that those are the two zillion azir and maybe we get uh like story wise we get um uh the other guy later uh for for this, for this yeah stretch. let's talk about i mean just real fast two mana two three predict <laughs> oh i know i know right like that card's so good yeah. holy cow yeah it's uh, so good <laughs> two I'm mana two very... three pick the card that you want on top of your deck out of three random like uh yeah there's also I'm really interested in the xenotype researchers. Um yeah. when I'm summoned, grant three random allies in your deck plus three plus three. It's a nine and nine. I, it of, just, but it's twelve twelve of stats for three mana. It's twelve twelve stats for three mana now. It's random in your deck. But I just am sitting here thinking, man, wouldn't it be fun to just run three copies of this and three copies of a champion and then just entreat? Oh, interesting. Oh yeah, and then just so, run like a ton of control. Yeah. Uh, or yeah. thing or yeah, things or that just, summon or things that or things that summon creatures, right? I don't know. Uh, obviously, like you're looking at like you have a chance for the xenotype researchers to hit themselves, the other copies of them, but you also have a but every a time you play one, chance. it guarantees that it hits at least one champion. At least one champion. Yeah. Uh, could be neat. Yeah, that, that that is interesting. And there is room for some summon stuff from Frail Yord to be able to pull the entreat as well. Um, yeah, very, very interesting. Very interesting yeah. there. Well, I tell you what, we've talked for a long time about the cards, guys. This is coming out one week from when we're recording this. Uh, so uh, we're going to work our way out of here with some closing thoughts. And then uh, and then, you know, we're going to be we're going to be talking about the actual cards a week from today. And I thought I was already perfect. Okay, guys, closing thoughts is our opportunity to hopefully, uh, you know, better your life a little bit or uh, or something, uh, you know, more than just Legends of Runeterra anyway. Um, so my closing thought for today really just revolves around my own personal life. And that is that my life is very full right now and I can't do everything with the highest level of excellence that I'd like to. DBN, do you realize that everyone can hear you washing dishes right now? Probably not. Are you serious? I yeah. was pouring water for myself. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, I was like, oh, okay. I, I thought I was speaking through my, uh, my, my microphone right now. But I was like, I've been sitting here talking about cards. I've been sitting here talking about cards, absolutely dying of thirst. <laughs> like, like literally dying. And so I just got up and ran over to get a drink. 
And then I was like, well, I better refill my Brita while I'm, you know, listening to, to Mark. Uh, uh, and I thought I muted myself. My bad, guys. Oh, no, that's okay. We'll okay. edit out. We'll edit it out. It's hey. going to go away in post. You're never going to hear this. No, I'm leaving this all in. No, they're totally um, going to hear this. We, yeah. we don't edit anything. Are you kidding me? Very little. Um, Very little. Sometimes clanks, but that's about it. So anyway, my closing thought was just sometimes in life, uh, it's okay to just show up. Even if you can't do it at 100%, even if you feel like, man, I'm not going to be the best version of myself today, um, sometimes it's enough to literally just show up. And uh, and it makes a big difference, not just in people's lives, but in, in, in your life as well, if you're willing to just show up. Even if you're overwhelmed, even if things aren't going great, sometimes you just have to show up. And although my life is great, it's very full. And there are times when it's like this, where it's like, man, I showed up for the show tonight. Does that mean that I remember to turn on record right away? No. Does that mean it's going to be the best episode we've ever put out? Probably not. However, I showed up tonight and you guys are getting this material because DBN and I were willing to show up even on weeks mm. when we don't feel like showing up. And sometimes you have to do that. You have to do that in relationships. You have to do that in uh, in work, in, in life responsibilities. I have to do that as a father. There's times I don't want to show up as a husband. I got to show up. Um, and uh, and uh, the, sometimes you got to do things you don't want to do even when you're not at 100%. And that's okay. That builds resiliency, and that's a very good thing to have. So that's my closing thought. Yeah. Just show up. That's you know? a that's a that's a great one. Um, sometimes you show up and you don't check which microphone is being plugged in, mm -hmm. and hopefully mm -hmm. that doesn't affect the sound volume quality. I'm just going to trust that that you monitored that throughout because uh, I've had my to microphone was it a lot. Yeah, it was off to the side because I thought that my other microphone was being used. Um, that's awkward. Either way, either, this is so I fascinating. Have, I've done a lot of adjusting uh, on the, on the soundboard. It probably not you know, so successfully this episode. <laughs> you know, sometimes you just gotta show. <laughs> Show, show up, up. <laughs> sometimes guys sometimes you just gotta show up and that being said oh, we're getting man. out of here so if you want to check us out uh dbn uh people check out your youtube channel uh yeah and discord and then hang out with me on discord that's it absolutely check me out on twitch.tv slash the lift i stream monday wednesday friday this week um when this episode comes out i'll be streaming like a couple hours after only for an hour i'm not going to stream on monday after this episode comes out and on wednesday i would usually stream from 8 to 11 but we're going to start late because I have a meeting at like 10. So we're actually going to start when I would typically end around 11. We're going to talk about the new cards and then we're going to probably do a four or five or hour or longer stream up until the evening on Wednesday where I'm going to take the day off work and we're just going to play LOR for a whole long time before DBN and I uh, record in the evening. So that's uh, you're going to be like, you're going to be like so on top of it. Like I'm going to, I'm going to show up and having gone to work and climbed played like an hour total and you're going to be like all right so here's 17 decks that i built today and <laughs> let's just face it i'm going to build one deck and just play it um and yeah. i'll be able to talk about it and it won't be a good one but i'll have played you'll it. you'll be able to tell yeah. me all about lissandra <laughs> <laughs> yeah that'll be it lissandra ash lissandra trundle yeah, lissandra sejuani you're gonna i'm gonna know all of them yeah that's right yeah <laughs> Oh, well, okay, guys, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening to us and all of our shenanigans and, and garbaggio, and we appreciate you. Yeah. Um, and uh, make sure that you come back again next week. 
Thanks for listening to Legends Cast. This episode was brought to you by listeners like you. Don't forget to join our Discord community and support us by leaving us a rating and review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. A special thanks goes out to all of our Patreon supporters over at patreon.com slash legendscast.